Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Raluca Apostol. Raluca is the Audience Acquisition, Lead Generation, and Campaign Marketing Director for Event Marketing Stars, an events marketing agency of data-driven freelancers that incorporate B2B event strategy, account-based marketing, content marketing, digital advertising, search engine marketing, social media, and design to increase the number of attendees at their clients' events, as well as increase revenue. They've also taken a customer-centric approach to how they work with clients and that they offer results-based pricing. Raluca, pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thanks. And thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Can you walk us through your background and how it's led to what you're doing now at Events Marketing Stars? Sure. So my first job whilst I was in uni, which was over 10 years ago, uh, was a sales role, actually. I was selling web design and SEO services in Romania, a country that was just beginning to have fast internet connection, but was still lagging behind Western European countries in terms of development and business. So I guess both web design and SEO were quite new for, for businesses that were just starting out. After that role, I left to study my master's abroad. And when I came back, I had the opportunity to work in the event industry and I never left. I just loved it so much. Actually, when I was in uni, I never thought I'd I'd go in events. I just thought there's so much happening. Things you can't control, I won't do it. But it turns out that a control freak and events go well together. (laughs) I then um, I worked in Romania, then in the UK, then back in Romania. And then I started working remotely on events in Europe, UK, and Africa, and I'm still doing that now um, whilst I'm running my B2B events agency. Awesome. Very interesting. What was it about events that attracted you and made you want to stay in the industry? So as I told you, I thought I'd stay away, actually, because I didn't stay away too much, uh, because it just seemed like it's very random and a lot of things happen and that you can't control. But when I saw that if you plan it well, you do control everything and it all comes together I just love that side of things. And then there's the added benefit that I think other marketers don't have as much, that you see the end results of your work. Um, mm. If you're doing marketing for a, um, a FMCG like, I don't know, detergent, you're implementing campaigns that may have a result in one month, two months, six months. 
But in events, you definitely know people have come to the event, then it's your contribution is there as well. Obviously, it's a teamwork, but it's definitely part of what you do. And that just made me want to do it more and more so I can see every time the results of my work. And I really love that. You get that positive reinforcement um, after you've executed properly. But also, I'm sure that even the events that, you know, not necessarily are, are failures, but did not go exactly how you like, you at least get great data back on um, how you could improve. You're actually getting to talk to people. So I'm sure that's, you know, wildly effective. And of course you've got their their attention right there because they're present in person. Is there any feedback is quite Mm -hmm. immediate. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any differences? You've done events on a few different continents in various countries. Are there any um, differences that you see with events from country to country or any uh, things you find interesting in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. So you see that Europe is pretty much the same in different countries, as in people go to an event. We used to work with my team to get sponsors to talk to their the key accounts they were interested in. And when you went to a person in Europe attending an event saying, you know, the sponsor would really like to meet you and talk to you, they'd be really reluctant to talk to them. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I'm busy, I'm not sure about it. Um, in contrast, in the US, people are very open to it. They're like, yeah, sure, let's go talk. It's a very nice vibe. Then I also see that in the US, they're accustomed to joining conferences. They know the value of it. They don't haggle as much as the Europeans do. Um, mm. And I really loved, I've done some African events and I really love the crowd. They're so amazing. We had international speakers. They were so excited to hear from them. Um, they were very excited to be at the conference. And as a conference organizer, that's lovely to see. Obviously, I love working on events wherever. You just got to learn how to adapt to the public. And I think uh, the European public holds you to very high standards. Mm-hmm. That is very interesting. I'd love to know some trends you're seeing in marketing, you know, slash sales technology, both in in a high level and within events in the event space as well. Can you kind of uh, tell us what's been interesting to you in that space? Yeah, so I see technology advancing so much. I mean, when I started like over 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to work remotely because you didn't have all the structure in place. You didn't have all the chats like Slack that you have now and you can talk to your team, you have Skype and you can see your team, Zoom and so many more platforms that help you keep in touch even though if you're not in the same room at the same time. So technology has had a major impact on marketing and sales, not just internally, externally as well. The tech stack is definitely growing in all companies. And I think that... The challenge is to implement it, to teach the team how to do it, how to use it, how to take advantage of it, uh, let go of old ways and synchronize it with each other. There are a lot of technologies out there. Not all of them talk to each other and that makes it quite complicated at times. So the team that you work with needs to understand it, be bought into it. And there's a lot of change management involved with it, with technology mm-hmm. um, and the ever-growing number of technology platforms that we're using. I also see, and this is one of my favorite, is automatization, which helps get rid of repetitive tasks because they are done now by platforms, by robots, by AI. And I think it helps us be more creative. It frees up the, I call it monkey-doing time. So 
yeah, you don't have to sit at a computer and do some boring repetitive job. You have you set up a platform or an AI to do it, and then you're free to think about ideas, about new stuff to implement. Um, you don't need to do manually follow-ups. Uh, you don't need to add contacts to an Excel spreadsheet anymore, although I know a lot of us still do it. But we do mm-hmm. have CRMs and workflow that do the work for us, and I think that's, that's like one of my favorites. And I think as a third trend that this has also helped us the automatization part of it the amount of data that we have available and the technology that we have um it makes it easier to send personalized messages and follow-ups to clients and i think they're expecting this more than ever so i think in comes account-based marketing or abm short which i think we're still trying as an industry to understand but we do see case studies that shown that it works more and more and it generates really good revenue and ROI. Mm, interesting. I want to ask you about that for sure. First, I'd, I'd like to know, you know, in the event space, when it comes to automation and your tech stack, you know, what are some tools that you use or, you know, you don't necessarily have to give the names, but what do they do for you? What are some things that really allow you to create better events, some of the technology out there? Well, first of all, as an agency, I use a CRM to manage my clients. Um, This helps me stay on top of our latest interactions, what are their interests, what sort of content should I be sending out to them. So it really helps focus my inbound marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, For clients, we also use CRMs for their databases. And again, it helps with understanding different touch points for different clients. Um, We can see that... We have a particular partnership. Let's say uh, I'm doing a manufacturing event and I have a partnership with a manufacturing magazine and I can see how many people from my um, end up in my CRM from that particular magazine, um, from their website. Um, it helps with lead generation a lot, all the technology, all the form collection, and then the automatization of the process, which means I don't have to send them a manual follow-up or after they've registered, I don't have to chase them for payments. There is a system that does it for me. And then there are some cool stuff as well that you see during events. We see exhibitors use more VR to showcase their services, mm. a virtual reality headset. For example, a data center can put people visiting their booth in the middle of the data center and have them walk around, which is quite a cool experience. And I know Intel have used holograms to have their general manager on stage three years ago. At a conference that they were doing, yeah. So um, there are a lot of applications that are being used from the very simple things like email marketing and registration systems to the very cool stuff that happens in the conference itself. Gotcha. So at a high level, you need a you know a CRM to stay organized. You need you know in your business email marketing to stay in contact. Um, you mentioned payments software to, you know, not have to chase people down on invoices and handle automatic billing, automatic payments. Yeah. It, was there anything I missed there? I just want to make sure I hit at a high level. So I would say these are a bare minimum mm-hmm. uh, to have. And then there are a lot of stuff. Um, so, for example, it depends on how you look at things. For example, Google Ads uh, uses AI to learn what customers are interested in. So that also uses technology. You may not feel like it, but you are using it. Then there are chatbots that can be used to automatize the frequently asked questions. So you have a chatbot mm-hmm. where people go into the website and say, sorry, I forgot the venue. Can you let me know what time it starts? 
these are all things that can be found on our website, but we do find that people are lazy <laughs> and don't search <laughs> as much as they should. So it, it helps. And it, it's a better user experience when they get the answer right away. And if they do want to talk to a person, to a human being, to a representative of the company, they can still do that. But yeah, I would say that the bare minimum would be that. And then it depends on the user experience you want to offer at the event. And I think the bigger the event, the more technology um, we see event companies use. So event apps might not be as relevant for small events that have 100 people where there's everyone in the same place and you can probably get to meet everyone if you plan to. But it's definitely important for events that have thousands of attendees. And similar to exhibitors, like you'll have, it'll be really beneficial to have scanners where people don't have to give you their details, but you just scan their badge and you get their details. Then you have applications that show you the traffic around the exhibit area. So you can see how to optimize it in the following uh, years, in the following events. Yeah, there, there's a lot. I, I wouldn't know what to say is the high level. Uh, I can tell mm-hmm. you that the bare minimum would be from my point of view, CRM, payment, and email marketing automatization. Gotcha. The more people that are attending the event, the, you know, starting with that core, and then you know, the more people you have, the more vendors you have, um, the larger the event, yeah. that's when the complexity grows and you can kind of get more data from everyone who's attending or all, everything that's going on and kind of drill down and, and figure out how to improve that event over time. Yeah, yeah. And it's basics economy, if you think about it. The more people you have at your event, the more sponsors, the more money your event generates, and the more you can invest in these things. If your event is small, it depends. There will be small events that are very senior level, and you'll still want to have a great user experience, so you'll invest in technology. Uh, mm-hmm. But there will also be space for you to grow and get the extra revenue from there. So it's it's all down to money anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned like uh, a scenario where, hey, you know, if, if you've got a smaller event, you don't necessarily need an app, right? Um, and that's kind of like a mismatch depending on, you know, what the event is. But generally, if the event is the smaller the event, the less you need something like a, a an app. Are there any other mistakes that just in, in your experience or things you've witnessed that you would give to people to avoid any mistakes, to avoid any advice you would give to people on that? When uh, throwing an event? Yeah, there are a lot, actually. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's to do with, with the setup of the event. A lot of events that failed, I believe, have failed because they weren't careful to what's happening in the competitor landscape. Are there any other big events close to us? Will they matter? Do they target the same audience? The bigger your competitor is, the more power they have to invest more in ads. They have a reputation. They already talk to some clients and to speakers and sponsors. So everything will impact you. So you'll have to be aware of this. Then there'll be uh, timing. We had events where obviously we couldn't have foreseen it, but we had a strike during the event. And it made getting to the venue nearly impossible that the the Mm. city was so crowded. Obviously, these are things, as I said, that you can't plan. But there are other things that you can plan. Um, Don't have your events close to a public holiday. Take extra precautions in um, finding out what are the dates that are relevant for the country and for the attendees that you're having. So you might have an event in 
South Africa, but your attendees may be from all over Africa. So you'll have to understand if there are any important dates for everything, basically, for the um, country where your venue is and your event and for um, the countries of attendees. And then there's a lot of things to deal with, um, not enough planning, um, things that are done at the last minute, where this happens mostly with inexperienced teams. Um, I think as long as the event comes together well, people don't realize that you've been working up until 3 a.m. the previous morning. So, mm, yeah. yeah, it all comes down to taking care that everything that is seen by the audience has a good quality and that if you mess up everything, you let your audience know and be honest about it. Mm, gotcha. Transparency. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you just described some mistakes. I'd like to go into, you know, how to throw a great event. How can someone, um, just some things to keep in mind, sir, or even better, you know, your process when it comes to throwing an event, if you had um, a, a scenario where someone came to your website, fill out a contact form and says, hey, we're, we're looking to throw an event. Uh, this is our company. These are the type of people we want to get in front of. Kind of what's your framework for putting an event together? And I'd also like to see how you used how you use account-based marketing within that process, if that's part of that process, how that kind of plays yeah. in as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing to running a successful event is have enough time before it. Um, I did have occasions where someone would go like, we have an event in two months. We want to run a sponsorship campaign that delivers a 50K revenue. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that cannot happen. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it was new accounts mostly. And I had to tell them that, you know, because these are new accounts, they need more time to understand what you're doing, to start trusting you. The decision span in the B2B world is a bit bigger than the B2C, so they'll need time to discuss with their managers, to present a case study. It won't work. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the absolute first thing is have enough time before the event. Uh, we generally start communicating events between 16 to 12 weeks out, so that's from four to three months out before the event. And it depends on each client, but we generally need at least four weeks before that for planning. So ideally, mm. five months out would be the time to say, okay, I want to run an event. So now it's May. I want to run an event in October. Let's start planning it. And then in June, we launch the, com the communications campaign for it. Obviously, that will depend if it's a regional or an international event. Regional events can, can communicate this in a, a shorter time. But that would be a general benchmark, if you want. And then we'll look, first thing, when we start analyzing an event, after we understand what it's about, who is targeting, and so on, we'll look at the data. What data we have available, what we still need to bring. And then based on that, that's how we build our strategy, uh, the content marketing strategy, the inbound marketing strategy, the social media, and so on, all links to the objective we are going to have. We usually tend to estimate I've recently worked on a proposal where I estimated, I said, okay, we're going to do, it was a program, an MBA program, and it was targeting business professionals. And I said, okay, so from events, I've made, we're going to get these many leads from content marketing, these many from social media, these many. And that's how we try to create some transparency around the process and about how it's going to work. And then it's a lot to do with timelines, deadlines, ensuring that we stay as close to them as we can and analyzing. I believe 
some event marketers and some marketers in general still do leave the analysis part to the end. And to be honest, I don't see as many as, as there used to be. But the analysis is definitely an ongoing process. I've done this. How did it work? I've done this. How did it work? Uh, this and this. How did they work together? And then you changed based on that. And then to incorporate account-based marketing as well, um, it's down to uh, who are your biggest clients, who you'd really love to see at your event. Um, sometimes events offer VIP passes to their very important clients. Um, so say I run a technology event and I believe that if Google or Facebook or Oracle or Microsoft or whoever, a big technology player will attend, then the other people will see, oh, they're joining this event. I want to go and meet them. And that's where an account-based marketing strategy comes into place because it will give the impression of one-to-one -one communication using the data that is already existing. So it will use social listening it will use data analysis. It will use a lot of uh, similar to content marketing, inbound marketing, which will tell me, okay, so I want to target this company. Which are the departments and the professionals that usually attend events, the type of events that I'm running, that I'm marketing? Um, what are they interested in? What are they posting about? What are their issues? What is the angle that I need to take to make them interested in my event and make them attend? That's pretty much how account-based marketing integrates. And again, we've seen good results with it. And that is one of the first things we do when we start running events, because as I said, since it's targeting big accounts, it has big margins and it generates a lot of revenue. And if you're targeting the big accounts, they're never going to come just because you'd send them a generic message like you send everyone. But again, if I think of Google, how many events do you think they get invited to yeah, every all day? Of them. All <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to make sure they come to your event, you need to make sure that you know what they're interested in, what they're talking about, what's happening with them, and send them a tailored message that says, hey, Google, I know you've just had the developer conference, and I saw that you were talking about accessibility and how you're going to change that. And we have a conference on this, and we'd really like to have you meet the other attendees and share what you're doing there. And that will work better than saying, hey, so we have a conference on technology and we'd really love you to join. Yeah, awesome. That was great insight, um, really great stuff. And I want to spend some time talking about event marketing stars, you know, your business and talk about just the value prop and how you work with clients as well as your results-based pricing. Interested to hear, and hear about that. So can you tell us a little bit more about event marketing stars? Sure. So we work on the marketing strategy for B2B clients and events. So it will be services as well, not only events. And they will mostly be in the tech and education sectors. To be fair, B2B events are similar in all sectors. But we did, since we had a lot of events in both the tech and education industries, it did help us understand a bit more. So if a, I don't know, a cloud company comes to me and says, let's do an event, then I know the topics of it. I know the teams. I know the big players. You can all find it in the research. It just makes my life easier. Mm -hmm. um, and then we review objectives with the clients and then come up with a strategy that helps them achieve their objectives, which can be we want to acquire new leads. We want to qualify existing ones, automate processes, um, increase revenue. That is the ultimate goal of every B2B company, obviously. And it will depend if it's an event or if it's a service, what are their objectives, their deadlines, and so on. So we work on that. And since it's 
mostly about leads and events, it helps us have a pricing strategy that is based on the results that we achieve. So we do have a set budget that is a management fee and a setup fee, but then there's a variable uh, fee that is based on the results that we generate. So if in the contract we say we're going to generate 100 leads for your business and we establish the criteria that makes a lead, a qualified lead, and if we only deliver 50, then we only take 50% of that budget, which helps give the client trust in us because they know, yeah. okay, I think most clients assume you're not going to get the job done. <laughs> I don't right, know right, yeah. <laughs> but it is, I've seen it most of the times. They're like, yeah, okay, we can start. And I think that helps with, look, I really, I do want to get the job done because otherwise I'm not making money. I do want to make money. That's how I live. So. Um, that is what I, what we do. And it helps uh, with increasing that trust in, in us. And it also helps us always want to do more because if you don't perform well, you're not going to have clients. You're not going to have a repeat client and you're not going to have new clients in some time. So we always want to perform well. But it does shows the client that our aim is to achieve and overachieve the results. Outstanding. I know you, you mentioned um, you know part that strategy piece where you kind of go over the goals with the client, kind of why they're throwing this event, right? Yeah. What would you say some of the top reasons would be for for throwing an event? If it's, you know, launching a new product, if it's just for branding purposes, or, you know, you mentioned revenue, is this just be a vehicle for, you know, making more money? What are some of those top reasons for clients wanting to throw events? I would say it depends a lot based on industry. For example, we see the media industry run events and that is purely for revenue because their revenue from publishing and advertising is decreasing and they're making money from events. I think I saw a report last year that was saying that, no, uh, no, it wasn't the report. It was from a specific media company in Romania that said that 75% of their revenue comes from events. Uh, so that's a lot. And I think that's why they run events. Um, I believe most technology companies run events to present their products, but also for thought leadership. I think they realized, and we've all realized, that that's what makes, that it's the emotional side that makes someone invested in your product and in your business. And that's how they're trying to build it, by bringing very senior guys that talk about advancement in the industry. And that makes me want to have a relationship with your brand. Uh, with your newsletter, stay on top of what you're doing. And then through this event, there will be mini sales pitches about uh, what the um, what the tech company also offers, and those will work. Um, events that are purely sales pitches do not work. No one wants to come to an event and be sold to 100% of the time. Like, what mm-hmm. do I get out of it? Why would I do it? So um, I would say that it is, for most companies, it's a thing of branding, but obviously it is lead generation. I would say that if they only do it for branding, then they definitely have it wrong. It is mm. lead generation. It doesn't have to be aggressive lead generation, but it definitely has to be lead generation, lead nurturing, um, ensuring that your clients become loyal clients that recommend you, that they're, they become in love with you and what you do, that you treat them well in your event and that you showcase what they're doing. And it is pretty much, I'm, I'm looking at the big events like that big tech companies are running. And I believe it's a mix of lead generation and showcasing how their clients use their products and what results they're, they're 
managing to achieve rather than saying, this is my product, this is what it, what it does. These are the features of my product because that just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and I imagine there's there's probably no better way to, to build a relationship with a potential customer than to meet with them and speak with them at yeah. an event. And, um, you know, it's funny because everything's, you know, about digital now, right? Everything's online, digital. That's where all the attention is. But if you look at some of the biggest companies, you know, they were started with, you know, introducing their product or even just concept to people offline, whether that be through small events or whether that be through face-to-face meetings. And I feel that since everyone's so inundated with ads and digital marketing, that events are are really a, a huge game changer when it comes to accelerating sales or generating leads and branding that people overlook because it's offline. It, there's you can't get um, much more attention from someone than if you're you know right in front of them, speaking to them, right, having a conversation. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Um, and and it's also in terms of relationship building. As I mentioned, the thought leadership event. When you're not coming to listen to a sales pitch, but you're coming to listen about how you can overcome your challenges, uh, what are other people doing that are in similar situations to yours to grow and to increase revenue and to get more customers and have a better user experience for their customers, then you're giving something back without asking first. And I think that's definitely one of the things that should be the beginning of a relationship marketing. So if I want you to buy from me, for example, us at Event Marketing Stars, we generate a lot of content and we just put it out there. It's nothing to do with branding. It's not with pushing our services. It's just constant content about the industry. What are other people doing? And this is some, a way of us giving to the community without asking anything. People can go online and read our content and they, they won't be contacting us. They won't need our services and that's fine. So I think it's similar for events. People come to events, get something out of it. Um, If the um, follow-up process then is done good, then you'll have a lead, which will convert in a month, in three years, in 10 years, who knows. But I think that most people attending an event will become leads in the future. And it's down to creating that relationship and making sure that it's kept constant and engaged and nurtured in order for it to to value, to offer the value that it should. Mm. Makes sense. And I, I want to ask, because what you just said sparked another question I had, you know, after the event, once it's over, what's the best way to follow up? What's a good way that companies can capitalize on all of the work they did planning and throwing the event afterward to make sure that they reap the most rewards from their efforts when it comes to following up with leads? Well, it has a lot to do with data, the data you collect at the event and before the event. Um, if we have a registration form that asks, are you looking to buy our soft- X software, because it's not about our software. So if I'm, um, again, a provider of technology and I ask them, are you looking to buy the technology? Is technology similar to what we're offering in how much time? And then I know, look, this guy is looking to buy now. These are looking to go- to buy in three years. Best way I would say to follow up with them is with content. Again, you're giving to them. You're not asking them, okay, can I present to you a sales pitch now? They will tell you when they're ready. So I would say to follow up, um, create, look, I've noticed in your event registration that you mentioned that you're looking to um, buy this kind of technology in six months. 
um, here are some useful materials about how to prepare for the transition to this new technology. I've also uh, included a case study from one of our clients. I think this is relevant to you. And these are things that will make people realize that they're still receiving stuff. They're not being asked of things. When they will be ready to buy from you, they will remember you because you're the one that has been helpful. You're the one that has told them what they need to know. I would say that's the best way to follow up and that the one that would generate the most results. Gotcha. So they're following up with leads by taking a value first approach, listening to what they have said, whether that's in person or on a form and staying in contact and continuing to deliver value so that when they are ready, you are top of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, everything that we've talked about, account-based marketing, CRM, automatization, everything helps you with that. So it's not a manual job. You just got to make sure that you have the correct data to input in your systems and they'll do the work as instructed by you, but they'll still do the work and help you generate the quality leads and make sure that when they come to you, they're qualified. So you don't have to do the selling. It's already been done. Awesome. Well, this has been so great speaking with you. Um, How can people get in touch with you if they have questions about some things you went over in the call or interested in working with Event Marketing Stars? So we're online on our website, eventmarketingstars.com or on Twitter and LinkedIn. And we're always happy to uh, have a chat uh, with um, everything related to deal with marketing strategy, event marketing, technology. We love that. And as I said, we're big fans of content creation. So there's a lot of things and content on our blog, including a B2B event marketing guide, which takes you through all the steps that you have to take when creating an event, which can be downloaded on our website. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how people can say stay in touch. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about the new technology that's going to ch- change our world. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thanks again so much for joining us. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.